Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We need to be holy and not turning back to our old way of life. And that's how do I be holy? Well, you say goodbye to yesterday. You say goodbye to whoever you were before Christ. And you fix your eyes on him and you run to him. And you follow him. That's probably within the text one of the best ways to, you want to know how to be holy, say goodbye to the, your old self and embrace a new reality of who he has made you. How are we to be holy? As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he shares with you that to be holy means to be set apart. As a disciple of Jesus, you're called to be set apart from the world and the things of it. You're to be a city on a hill that reflects out to the world the light and love of God. In order to do that, Pastor James explains that you have to be different from the world around you. Your speech, how you react, what you participate in, all of those things should point others towards Jesus. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Don't go back trying to you know, live to satisfy your own desires. And those are your own desires. Those are not God's desires. You were living for yourself. Before Christ, you're living for yourself. I mean, that's just how it is. That's how I was. I was living for me. And I found out I'm a horrible God. Just horrible. Like, lowercase g, obviously don't think I was like deifying myself at all. But I lived for me. I worshiped me. I served me. And that brought me to this place where I was like, I'm pretty bad. Um, this is pretty horrible. This isn't working out for me. And that's when Jesus was so gracious to step into my life. And it's like, yeah, now, you, now it's time to follow me. True God, one who can actually bring you satisfaction, one who can actually bring you peace that you're wrestling about and that you're searching for. He says, he, that last little clause on there, he says, yeah, you did that out of ignorance, right? You, did it, uh, you didn't know any better then, right? So the, praise God for that too, right? Because we were all knuckleheads before Jesus and we all have our testimonies and stories. And what I love about that is the Lord is like, yeah, you're pretty ignorant about that, you know? And you're like, okay, cool. Is that an insult? No, it's not. It's just letting you know that you live that way because that's who you were. Naturally, that's who you were. You were born a sinner. And as you grew and developed, you became, just grew into a bigger sinner, a more mature sinner. And then you become a clever sinner. You know how to do it really well. That was during your times of, of ignorance, so to speak. But that's not who you are today. And if you're a Christian, you can't use that as an excuse anymore. If you're a Christ follower, you can't go back. You can't go back to those old ways. You can't. And you have no excuse. Devil made me do it. No, he didn't. No, those are your desires. Yours. Okay? You, there's no excuses. Sober-minded, ready for action, em, embracing hope. The other part of this, the second major command within this section, but you, now you must be holy. Okay? Hagios is the, the term there. That's the Greek term. And it's morally pure is technically what this is talking about. Morally pure. And it, the other part of that is set apart for God. That's how we normally in, in identify that term. Hagios, so within the Greek, does speak of this moral purity, making good choices, choices that edify the body 
and that minister to yourself, but also ultimately bring glory to God. This is who we ought to be. You, now you must be holy in everything you do. I'm holy on Sundays. You, you got to read the verse again, okay? I'm holy on Thursday. No, no, not quite. No, holy in everything you do. Set apart in everything you do. Why? Because you belong to him and you represent him. And so wherever you go out, you're representing the king of kings. And he expects you to be holy in your lifestyle, in your speech, in your care for other people, how you treat other people. You should be holy, pure. Says, to add on to that, just as God who chose you is holy, be like him. This kind of brings back to our, our, brings to our attention, you know, the book of Exodus, where God is, is this, he's throwing down and he's establishing, not just in Exodus, but in the Old Testament, he lets him know, be holy because I am holy. Deuteronomy speaks a lot about this as well. Be holy for I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. That's what God is constantly declaring to the nation of Israel. But the same thing applies to you and I today as his kids be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. Be like me. And remember, it is God who chose you. He chose you. He did all the work of salvation. He gets to make all the rules. He gets to make the rules. Okay? It says, verse 16, for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So there you go. That's the quote from, from the Old Testament Peter is bringing out to this. He's like, you got to live a set-apart life. You have to live a set-apart life. There should be something different about you than people who live in the world. And, if, and it can't be limited to just how you dress. It has to be your, your lifestyle. Like how you interact with people has to be different. And that doesn't mean you walk around using Christianese terms and all these things and like whatever, right? Like, no, that's, no, you need to speak to people how they will understand, okay, in that sense. Like if you're using, walking around with terms of like, you know, and I, I've been in the church for too long now, but like terms like sanctification, right? You may encounter people who are like, what? What does that mean? Just so we know, that's not a common term that's out in the world. It doesn't mean they don't know it or understand it, but it's not a normal day, you know, word that comes out of their mouth, so to speak. And so propitiation, and we have all these cool Christian terms. They're beautiful terms, by the way. They're, they're amazing terms, but they don't always connect with people that we're talking to. So then what do we do? Engage your brain. Engage your mind. Learn how to talk to people. Get at the source. Like, learn some words, other words. Like, there's other ways to say this. Yeah, there are other ways to communicate these truths. You got to meet people where they're at. And that's what, again, we're engaged in this warfare. We need to prepare our minds. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be holding on to Jesus as our hope. And we need to be holy and not turning back to our old way of life. And that's, how do I be holy? Well, you say goodbye to yesterday. You say goodbye to whoever you were before Christ. And you fix your eyes on him and you run to him and you follow him. That's probably within the text, one of the best ways to, you want to know how to be holy, say goodbye to the, your old self and embrace a new reality of who he has made you. Verse 17, it says, and remember, okay, if you need more motivation, remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. 
Oh, man, yeah, see, I'm sorry for whatever, however many golden stars you've earned in Sunday school. If you're thinking like, this is getting me in good with God, he's got no favorites. He's got no favorites. I pray four hours a day. Cool, that's awesome. I'm glad you have time for that. That's amazing. But you're not like, you know, but I'm like, God, I'm your favorite, right? And he's like, no, I kind of love all you equally. Yeah, I saw this video, which cracked me up. This, uh, this grandma in New Jersey, she's got a chart. And all her caring kids' names are on this chart, and they're on these magnetic things, okay? And depending on what these grandkids are up to, she has them numbered. One through, I don't know how many grandkids she has, I think it was about 10 of these things, and she puts her favorite in spot number one. And one of the grandsons, he was there, and he's videoing this thing. He's like, I have to show you this. He's like, this is my grandma. And he had just gave her some news about, I think he just got a brand new tattoo, and so grandma was like, what? And she went, took his name from the spot where he was top five. She took his name from top five and put him at the very bottom, right in front of his face. <laughs> Grandma's letting him know, I play favorites. I play favorites. And he got that new tattoo. And it was a sweet tattoo. And grandma wasn't having it. She wasn't having it. And, I, and, and as funny as that is, I'm so glad that's not how God works. I'd be at the bottom of the list all the time, I feel like. Like, have I moved up at all? He's like, no, you're just, we keep moving down. I'm like, oh, okay. When are you coming back? Because can we just get this done with? Like, uh, there's no more spots I can descend to. He doesn't play that way, though. Praise God, he doesn't play that way. And this, this eliminates all this nonsensical celebrity status within Christianity. So stupid. So dumb. Celebrity pastors. That's the most moronic thing I've ever heard of, Right? Like, and, and, but see, sometimes we see people get the spotlight and we think like, oh, they have the favor of God. Well, he has favor on his kids. Just because they got more followers than you doesn't mean that God's like, well, you know, I wish you were more like this guy. He loves us the same and his love for us is perfect and complete, meaning it, it will never diminish, nor will it grow. His love for you as his kid will always remain the same. And I can tell you this, it's more than what you need in one sense, right? It's so much, so much. So you have to embrace that. He doesn't play favorites. Praise God he doesn't play favorites. I praise God that he doesn't play favorites. We, we could learn a lot from him concerning that. It says he will judge or reward you according to what you do. So there you go. Like whatever you do, you will stand before him one day and you will settle accounts, so to speak. What that looks like, I'm not exactly sure. I'm pretty sure it's not the jumbotron thing that I thought it was when I first got saved. Was like, I got to stand before everybody and he's going to probably like video like all my sinful decisions. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I definitely don't want to go to hell, but man, that doesn't sound fun either. And then I learned, well, that's not true because those sins are covered, forgotten as far as the East is from the West. So if you have this in your brain of like when you go to heaven, that somehow in the state, grand stadium of heaven, that he's going to call you to the stage. And, you know, with the Jerry Jones's big old jumbotron thing at Texas Stadium, he's going to display all your wrongdoings before everybody. That's not true. That's not true. I don't know where I got that from, but that's what I thought when I first got saved. Yeah, Brenda's like, me too. Um, I don't know where that came from, but I was just like, I really want to go to heaven, but man, that sounds painful because I got a lot of bad mistakes and I'm sure I'm going to make more, right? That highlight reel is just going to keep going. That's not what it is. But you will be called into account concerning what he's called you to do and the gifts and the talents that he's blessed you with. You will have to answer to that. 
Oh, by the way, he keeps record of every word you say, too. You're like, well, every word? Every word. Every word. It's funny, when I'm around people, it, this happened all the time. When I was, I was a chaplain for a hockey team, um, and it was amazing. And we were the champions like three times. I think that was because of me. Pretty sure it was. Because they weren't champions before I got there. And then when I was there, they were. So that just, logically, that makes sense. These dudes have some of the worst mouths ever, right? And I would tell people, I'm like, there's nothing you can say that's going to offend me. Um, unless you talk about Jesus, then we got issues. But it's just so funny when I'm just hanging out with them, and then they, one of them would discover that, like, oh, it's a pastor. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry for everything I just said in the last, like, 30 seconds. And I'm like, you don't have to apologize to me. I'm not keeping track of anything. And especially for us as believers, like, he keeps track of stuff, so be mindful of this powerful little thing inside of your mouth that gets so many of us into trouble. Oh, man. <laughs> Daily, right? He keeps account of this stuff, but this isn't like a fear tactic. This is a motivation tactic of like, get out there. Do good things for the kingdom of God. And if you're going to speak to people, let it be seasoned with grace, with grace. But he will judge. He will evaluate, Okay. He says, so you must live in reverent fear. This is respectful, respectful fear of him, of God, okay? Not cowering in fear, but out of reverence, this respect of who he is. Proverbs 14, verses 26 through 7 speak to this. I don't have time to get into that right now, but you can jot that down, cross-reference that. It's a beautiful cross-reference for this reverent fear that you and I should have. It's awe in the face of the Holy One. It's understanding you're God, I am not, I'm not worthy. Like Wayne's world, like I'm not, we're, we're not worthy, we're not worthy because we're not worthy. So this motivates us to live in this reverent fear, this respect for who he is. During your time here as what? Temporary residents. You and I are temporary residents on this planet. This is not our home. Yeah, hallelujah. As beautiful as this place is, geographically, and, and you know, people are a part of that as well. This isn't our home, guys. This isn't our destination. This is not the end for us. Better is coming. It's going to be amazing. It says, uh, verse 18, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you, in you inherited from your ancestors, okay? He paid a price, a ransom. He redeemed you or he bought you, okay? He paid the price for your freedom. Christ did. He rescued you. He saved you from that empty life, that you had inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value or diminish over time. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him, Jesus, as your ransom long before the world began. They already had a plan in place, all right? They didn't find themselves in a predicament where they were like, oh, great, now what do we do? You know that that's never been uttered from God's mouth ever, he knew before he even created anything, we're going to make this world. We're going to make people in this world. Oh, and they're going to blow it from day one. And then we'll institute a system and all this good stuff, but they're even going to mess that up. But we will come in and we will rescue them. It's in this holy council of God the Father, God the Son, who's Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, they already had a plan in place. The rescue plan was already determined from the beginning of the world, long before the world began. He says, but now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. That's through Jesus. Remember, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes through the Father but by me. 
He's the door, as he would say as well in the Gospel of John. It's through Christ you come to trust in God. You have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory, okay? The resurrection, I tell you guys this all the time, the resurrection is like the deal in Christianity. The incarnation is beautiful. He needed to come to this world. That's amazing. The cross, amazing. He needed to die, but the the tomb needed to be empty for it all to matter. Because if the tomb wasn't empty, none of it before it did anything. But because the tomb is empty, it validated the fact that what he said was going to happen on the cross is actually true. And the fact that he came born of a virgin is actually true, which means you can backtrack it all the way to the beginning. Everything he said was true because the tomb is empty today. And it is empty today. It is absolutely still empty today. Why? Because we don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen and alive Savior. That's our our hope and our trust. It's in him because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Verse 22, you were cleansed. You were cleansed. You were purified from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere or non-hypocritical love to each other as brothers and sisters. That love there is phileo. That's where we get our word, sorry for them, the Philadelphia Phillies. Sorry, guys. Have we have a safe flight back home? But Philadelphia, it's brotherly love. It's that because this Greek term phileo is brotherly love. And he is, Peter is encouraging his audience and us today, have that kind of love for each other. And then he goes on to say, so you have that love, this brotherly love towards each other. Show that non-fake love, non-hypocritical love, but real love and care for each other as brothers and sisters, which also corresponds with our praying for our martyred brothers and sisters and persecuted church, because we love them. We pray for them. Then he goes on to say, love each other deeply with all your heart. Now that love is agapeo, which is agape, which is a self-sacrificing love. It's a different term for love, self-sacrificing. So we should have brotherly love towards each other, but we should also have self-sacrificing love towards each other as well. And I love the Greek language that it has, you know, many words for one concept, so to speak, love. Because in America, in English, we're like, I love, we love everything. And it just kind of gets a little muddy at times when it's like, I love avocados and I love my wife. And you're like, Oh, but you love one more than the other, and you're like, I do. My wife, of course. She's back there. Of course, I love my wife more than avocados. It's just an example, people. But in the Greek, they have, it's phileo, or it's eros, or it's agape, in these beautiful terms. And so Peter's like, yeah, have brotherly love for each other, but also let that love grow deeper to where you're sacrificing for one another. You're sacrificing for each other. That agapeo love is actually the love that Christ demonstrated for us when he came to this planet. Love each other deeply, fervently, right? That deeply is, is this fervent. It's, it's action, not feeling. Action, not feeling. I really love my church. Cool. Are you ever there? No, but I really love my church. Get to church. Be part of the body, Right? Unless you can't for some reason, but like, I really love, I really love my wife. Does she ever see you? No, not really. Then, then don't say that. Show it. This fervent love that we should have for one another that was demonstrated to us by Christ means that it's not a feeling, it's an action. If you really do love, then do something about it. Show it. 
Prove it, right? No Facebook post about it. Prove it. Display it. Demonstrate it. It says, for you have been born again. I love that term. You have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever. It'll be eternal because it comes from the eternal living word of God, right? That's beautiful. You will continue on. Your existence on this planet is such a small part of the timeline. Your existence on this planet is just, it's, it's a mark on the timeline. The rest of it is eternity. What are you going to invest in? You're going to invest in this brief little line, and you should to a certain extent, but I'm living for eternity because that's where my existence will continue on forever and ever. And that even hurts my brain thinking about that. But we play so much into this little sliver of maybe 80 years, maybe, and we invest nothing into the future. And that's irresponsible. Almost all of your existence will be in the presence of Jesus, in a new heaven and a new earth. Not floating around on clouds playing harps. That's nonsense, right? No, but it's ruling and reigning with Christ as he recreates the heavens and the earth. You'll live there forever. So yes, invest in this life for sure, but please make sure that you're investing for the future because you are eternal. This, you're born again, not to a life that will quickly end, but to a life that will last forever. Why? Because it comes from the eternal. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And now that word is the gospel. It's the good news that was preached to you. And so with all that, this last little bit, I'm just going to read through this. It's only three verses. Hold on. Don't, don't lose it, okay? There's three verses. Here's the goal, spiritual growth. So get rid of all evil behavior. Because these things are true, you've been born again, your life's eternal, all that good stuff. Because those things are true, say farewell to the evil things. Get rid of them, cast them off, put off. It's a common theme without, with, throughout the whole New Testament. Put off the old way of life. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Malice is how your, your Bible is phrasing those things. Watch how you treat one another. Don't deceive each other. Don't be a fake. Don't be a phony. Don't be envious of other people and what they have. Be satisfied. Be content with what God has given you. And don't, don't bash people. Don't slander people. You, you got to say goodbye to all that stuff. Verse 2, it says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will what? Grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So this, what he's talking about here is the ultimate goal for you as a believer is spiritual growth. And you should be craving, you should be craving this thing like a newborn baby. And when a newborn baby is unsatisfied, Oh, they will let everybody know. Had four, we've raised four kids. Had a handful of foster kids come. When those babies are hungry, those babies are hungry. And they don't care what you're doing. They don't care where you're at. They don't care if they're disrupting anything. It's like, I need food now. This is how we should be concerning the word of God. I need food now. Our soul is crying out, feed me, please, please. And the only way you grow in your relationship with the Lord is to feed your soul with this beautiful book and to spend time with him. Feed on the word to grow in your understanding and application of your salvation. Hope to 
Don't you find it interesting that some of the most inspiring stories involve the main character suffering and possibly even dying for the sake of the cause? This theme is interwoven into mankind because it's inspired by Jesus himself. He suffered unjustly at the hands of cruel and sinful men, but the story didn't end with suffering and death. Although the final chapter of this life typically ends with suffering and death, the life beyond earthly existence is something that's worth taking risks and even suffering for. Living the Christian life is risky. It involves dying to yourself and being willing to take the heat from those that don't want to hear the message. If you're just tuning into this message and would like a little more backstory to the book of 1 Peter, we encourage you to go to our website, breadforthebroken.com, and take a look at the additional messages. As you browse our website, you'll also find an easy way to donate to this ministry if God leads you to do so. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come visit us at Calvary Galveston. Once more, you can find out all the details of service times and location at our website, breadforthebroken.com. If you're not in the area, then you can join us on our live stream. We live stream on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Here on Bread for the Broken, our mission is to find hope and new life in Jesus. We trust that what you're hearing on this radio ministry is uplifting to your soul, reminding you that your new life starts with Jesus. Leave a marker in your Bible where we've left off and come back again for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.